morning, ladies and gentlemen. It may not look like it, but I'm really happy today. <laughs> you know, I mean, because the 30th of July is a special day for me because 76 years ago, on the 30th of July, I gave my life to Christ. And, you know, when I think about it, I think I've been so blessed and so privileged as I look back over those years to see where the Lord has brought me and the great blessings of so many things and being part of this church, you know. It's all pretty good, isn't it? And you know, one of the things, even over these many years, I have never regretted giving my life to Christ. And it was a childlike decision, but it wasn't childish because it stuck. And so I'm very grateful to the Lord. My allotted subject this morning is walking in obedience, and we're taking studies from 1 John, and I've been given some verses in chapter 2. But before we launch into it, I would just like to mention that actually about a year ago, under loving duress, there was reprinted this book, your Secret World, which I wrote, and it's about the greatest of all commandments. Our Lord said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbours yourself. And so it's an interpretation and application of that command. Now, there are a number of books, and they're right by the door as you go out of the auditorium, and there are a lot of people here, and you weren't here a year ago, so if you want one, just take one. If you want to leave some money, that's fine. Don't have to. People today don't carry money around with them, so leave it in the office or something, or not at all. Well, I just wanted to say that because we're touching upon this kind of subject this morning. When I was 16 years of age, I joined the fellowship that met in what was called the Queen Street Gospel Chapel in Palmerston North. And it was a good decision, and we had many years of fellowship, and eventually they commended us to the Lord's work. Now, at the beginning, at the front of the Gospel Chapel there, they had a big sign. Now, some of you will remember that it was the custom in those days to have a couple of texts up the front. And in the earlier church, Linto Street Gospel Hall, it had God as light and God as love. And that was pretty common. But at Queen Street, they had it written on the wall, and it wasn't measured in inches, it was measured in meters. It was huge. And it read like this, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Yeah, I hear you. You do wonder what it means, doesn't it? So I'll explain a little bit. And Saul had only half obeyed the Lord, and Samuel said, you have disobeyed. And then Samuel said to him, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Now, to understand that, you'd have to know something about the sacrifices of the Old Testament. Most people in those days did. You'd also have to know what the word hearken means, you know. But what it means is it's much better to obey than to go through religious ceremonies. And that leads us into our subject. One of the traditions that was given to Jerome, now Jerome was a theologian in the 4th century 
the tradition or the story was concerning John, who wrote the epistle that we're looking at this morning. Apparently, in his old age, he was frail and, of course, old. And he could hardly walk, and so people would carry him to the meetings of the assembly, probably in Ephesus. And every time, as they carried him to the meeting, he would say to them, love one another, love one another, love one another. And that got a little bit boring. And eventually they said to John, John, why is it that you always say love one another? And he said, because that's what you really need. And if you love one another, that's enough. When he's writing 1 John, he emphasizes the matter of love and it's God's love to us and it's our love to God and it's love for one another. There's a man and his name is Steve Henning, an American. When he was two years old, he had spiral meningitis and he lost the ability to hear. He couldn't hear a word. And for 57 years, he was like that. He couldn't hear a word. But according to the modern miracle of cochlear implants, he was given an implant a couple of years ago. And remember, he hadn't heard a sound for 57 years. Hadn't heard birds, hadn't heard his wife, hadn't heard anything. And he had the operation and it took about six weeks for the swelling to go down. And the doctor said to his wife, I want you to prepare something to say to your husband when we turn the switch. And they got it positioned. And he's a man who'd never heard anything for years and years and years. And his wife said to him, I love you. And you can imagine the impact that it had on his life. It seemed that life began again because he heard the wife, his wife say, I love you. When we look at Calvary, we hear God say, I love you. And when we read the Bible, we read, God loves you. And with that as a background, we're going to read together the verses that we have here, walking in obedience. And so we'll read out loud. I mean, everybody help me in the reading, you know. And we'll do it together. So we take it from verse 3 of chapter 2 of John. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments... That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. I guess those of us who come to church here regularly and Christians who frequent church regularly and have a heart commitment to Christ, don't like being described as being religious. I don't like being described as religious. We like to be known as people who have a relationship with Christ. And so when you come to these verses, you find that John is not talking to religious people, people who offer sacrifices, 
people who offer the fat of rams, people who go through religious ceremonies, but he's talking to people who love the Lord and who are very conscious of the Lord's love for them. And we find as we go through this portion, there are terms of relationship, and John talks about the relationship that we have with our Lord. And he says, to know him and to live in the truth, to obey God's word and to live in him. So at least two of these are terms of relationship. And you see, when you came to Christ, you didn't just join a church. I mean, that doesn't make you a Christian anyway. And you didn't just get baptized. That doesn't make you a Christian anyway. But you came into a relationship with Christ when you opened your life to him. And so John is talking to people like us. We don't like being called religious, but we like being called Christian. And we like being called believers because we believe in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as we go through these verses, it seems to me that we have three different types of people. We have servants, we have liars, and we have lovers. Servants obey. And that's what we have in verse 3. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Now, it seems to me that there are various motivations for obeying the Lord. And there is the motivation, for example, of a slave. A slave obeys because he has to. Or a servant because he has to. She has to. Or we may obey as an employee because we need to. We won't get paid if we don't do what the boss says. And there's the lover who obeys and does what his loved one wants him to do. And that's the kind of relationship that you have in this epistle when John is writing to people just like us. Fragile, weak, making mistakes, but people who have come to faith in Christ. And we know him. And we want to know him more and more. One of the problems, ladies and gentlemen, and I think it might be a New Zealand thing, but I think not just exclusive to New Zealand. We don't like being told, do we? You know, we don't like being told to do things. And if we're told to do things, then we bridle somewhat. And we think we're not a slave when we come to the faith, we find that we do obey and are meant to obey. And as a matter of love, he loves us and we love him. And we want to do that which pleases our Lord. Do you remember the words of our Lord Jesus Christ when he's talking to people again, people like us, fragile, human people, and he says to them, says to us, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? And it could be that I'm like that. could be that you're like that. And you know that as a believer, there are certain things you should be doing that you're not doing. And you know there are certain things as a believer you should not be doing, but you keep on doing them anyway. You see, if Jesus Christ is Lord, we do what he says, and his commandments are, bound, are beholden on us to obey. 
As we go through this epistle, and it'll be taken by different people, of course, as is the custom in this church, you actually find that John is amazed that people should ever not be passionate about Jesus. I mean, why wouldn't we be passionate about our Lord? He loved us. He gave himself for us. He lives within us. He's taking us home to heaven. He's coming back for us. Why wouldn't we love him? And he finds it strange that people shouldn't be passionate about his Lord and ours. And the question that I have for us, do you know him? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've given yourself to Christ? You've opened your heart to him, well, I want you to do it this morning. And while our time is restricted, I don't want to restrict the movement of the Spirit of God this morning as he moves among us, and he is moving among us right now, because where his word is proclaimed, it brings results. Not always seen. And there's someone here this morning, and maybe you, for a long time, you've been coming to church or a church or been reading the Bible or thinking about these things, but you've never given your life to Christ yet. You can do in the next 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Why don't you make that decision? If you don't do it here, where are you going to do it? If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? Now is the time to make a decision because the Bible says that God doesn't strive with us forever. We can only come to the Father when the Spirit of God calls us. And that's how we get to know Him. Sometimes we can look as though we are obeying and in fact, we don't feel like it. I did read about a little boy and he was told by his mother to sit down and behave yourself. He said, I'm sitting down outside, but I'm standing up inside, you know. And sometimes we can give the appearances that we're really walking closely to the Lord, but really inside we're hollow, and inside we're empty, and inside we feel that we don't have that joy of the Spirit that was promised, and somehow, well, anyway, we need to rededicate ourselves and give ourselves to Christ. Now, in 1 John, in these four verses that we have under examination this morning, we actually find that we're to obey the commands of Jesus. Verse 3, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Now, when he's talking about commandments, when John is talking about commandments, he's not talking about the 613 commandments of the Old Testament. Peter, when he's talking to a, a group of people in Jerusalem, you read about this in Acts 15, he talks about the law and all the requirements of the Old Testament law, and he said, we couldn't keep them, our fathers couldn't keep them, it was too heavy a burden for us. And the Old Testament was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And these things, the Bible says, were a shadow of the things to come. And now we live in the liberty of the Spirit. doesn't mean to say that we live lives of sin, of course. But we're free from the constraints of the Old Testament law. So when it's talking about the commandments here, it's talking about the commandments of Jesus and the Holy Apostles. Talking about those commandments. Now, of course, we find the Old Testament quoted in the New Testament. But the doctrines are not based on the Old Testament. The doctrines are based on the New. As someone has said, talking about the different testaments 
the new is in the old concealed and the old is in the new revealed. And we base our life upon the New Testament, but the Old Testament, of course, gives substance to it, but we won't go too far into that. You see, the, the command to love God and the command to love one another, they're not heavy things. And as we get on in the study of First John, you actually find chapter 5, verse 3, it says, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I mean, it's not burdensome to love other people, is it? It's not burdensome to love God. Not burdensome to live a life of freedom. And the commandments of Jesus and the Christian message, those commandments are not burdensome, but rather they're joyous. To obey is not the same as being well-intentioned because sometimes we're well-intentioned and we want to do what Jesus says, but somehow it doesn't happen. We've got a slide coming up and it contains words of Jesus, Matthew 21, and these are words of our Lord. What do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? And they replied, the first. In other words, just being well-intentioned doesn't save you. And here's a person who changed his mind, and you can change your mind this morning. Maybe you've been resistant to the gospel. You've never accepted Christ. You've been resistant to the commandments of Jesus when he says, love your enemy, forgive one another, love one another, resistant. You can change your mind. And that's the great truth of Christianity. We can be different from what we are. And so you find in this story that Having good intentions is not the same as being obedient. And also disobedience can be turned into obedience. We can change our mind. Now, of course, there's a, there are a lot of messages that will be given as various people take passages from 1 John. And the matter of love will be covered a lot of times, you can't avoid that because it's all about love. A lot of it's about love, at least. But we talk now about obeying the commandments, and I just want to take three commandments as we find it in the New Living Translation. Now, I'll just point out very briefly, these are what in grammar we call imperatives. An imperative is a command. For example, if I said to you, you're sitting down. That's not an imperative. That's not a command. That's just present tense, present continuous sense. You are sitting down. But if I said, stand up, that would be an imperative or a command. Okay? So you're just taking three imperatives from chapter one. I just want to mention three of them. And the first is, verse seven, love one another. Now, you know that, don't you? Do you love other people? 
Some people are easy to love, and some people are difficult to love. Well, I think that's a common experience. Our Lord, when he's talking to his disciples, he said, don't be like other people. And they love people who love them. But I want you to love people who are really difficult in your life. I want you to love enemies even. And that's hard. I read a book by a man called Floyd McClung. Floyd wrote a book, and it's called How to Love People You Don't Like. And in the book, he tells the story of working in Amsterdam. He and his family shifted to Amsterdam as part of a mission, reaching what in politer days they called women of the street, prostitutes. And certain conservative mission executives came to Amsterdam and they asked Steve to see his work. And that was quite difficult, but he took them around the red light district of Amsterdam and they walked over the cobblestones of that old city, the centre of Amsterdam. And as they were coming back after their excursion, as they were coming back to the flat or to the apartment where the McClungs lived, he lived there with his wife and with his children, he was just a little bit frightened that a couple of these women might be right near his door. Sure enough, when he turned the corner, there they were, right by his door, and he greeted them. They greeted him, he said, hello, Elsa, hello, Sonia. A bit embarrassed. A few months later, he was in the United States, he was speaking at a missions conference, and one of these conservative mission executives came up to him. And he said, do you remember I was with that little group, and we visited you in Amsterdam? And as he began to talk to him, his eyes began to well with tears. He said, you know what really moved me? When you went to your apartment and you saw those prostitutes, you respected them and you used their names. You said, hello, Sonia. Hello, Elsa. He said, I realize that loving people is really important and loving people that we don't even like, people that are difficult to get on with. And I won't go into it in detail at this stage. That's a big subject. But you do find here's a command for us all. Everybody in this church, every believer in the world, and that is love one another. It means seek the other person's highest good. Always look for that person's highest good. The second imperative is do not love the world or the things the world offers you. You may know the name Charles Colson. Charles Colson was the hatchet man for the Nixon White House. Eventually he was put into prison and as a result of his experience in prison, he started the Prison Fellowship, which has a ministry in prisons right around the world. Charles Colson in one of his books says, if you're truly obedient to Christ, you will inevitably come into conflict with the world. You belong to no one but Christ, while those in the world give themselves to people, possessions, institutions, and idols. Other than Christ, to be a Christian is to stand apart, to dare to be different. And so in the first imperative, it says, be, diff uh, it says, be loving, and this one says, be different. Don't be frightened of being different. 
If others tell dirty jokes, you don't have to. Be different. If they indulge in certain things that you know do not promote holiness, don't do it. You don't have to. Be different. And don't let the love that absorbs the world absorb you, but give yourself first. And I'm speaking to myself now. Give us, let's give ourselves first to Christ and his kingdom. And the things that we need will be added to us. The third imperative is this. Remain in fellowship with Christ. And that way will be usable. God can use us. Even when you get old, God can use you. Remain. Now, John is writing this probably in the last decade of the first century. And he looks back over the years. And he remembers a night just before the cross in the upper room and Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he reminds them to obey his commandments because that is the way they show that they love him. But in John 15, and we haven't got the time to go into this, but in John 15, and remember this same John was there that night when Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he said, take the picture of a vine, a grapevine. You want your grapevine to be fruitful. Now, you have to keep close to the vine. You have to stay with the vine if you want to be fruitful. Otherwise, you become useless. And what he's saying is stay close to Christ. And when you're close to Christ, God can use you. But once you drift and the values of this world take precedence over you, then you find that it's difficult. You become like salt that's lost its savor and God can't use you. But one of the wonderful things is we can always change and even this morning we can make that decision that my life by God's grace will be different now. The values of this life will be different now. I want to live for Christ now. I want to love my brothers and sisters with a full heart now. I don't want to take the values of the world now and I do want to stay close to Christ. So there are three commandments that are, or three imperatives taken from that particular chapter. The standard is very, very high, I have to say. And as you go through, you find that John is setting the standard. And here's one standard, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. To me, that's one of the strongest verses in the New Testament. Right. Mm -mm. I have to stop. I'll just point out... You don't mind, do you, if I take another couple of minutes? Because I didn't get up till 10 past. Anyway, then John talks about liars, and he says, if anyone claims um, to know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Like, John and his brother James... They were actually sons of Boanerges, but when Jesus got to know them, he called them sons of thunder. They were thunder-like people. And there was a time when the disciples were wanting to go through Samaria, and the Samaritans wouldn't let them into their homes, wouldn't give them accommodation and hospitality. And John and James says, do you want us to blast them into smithereens, Lord? You know, 
I mean, that's what they like. And I might be wrong here, but it seems to me that there's a little trace of that. Quite honestly, I didn't think you would ever call anyone as a liar, unless you were joking, but here he is. Black and white, John, son of thunder. The little bit of personality hasn't been ironed out yet. And he says he's a liar if he's not living with Christ. The third is a lover. And there's slide number 11. But those who obey God's word truly show him, show how completely they love him. Theo, could we go to slide number 12, please? Maybe you say, I've been coming to church for a long time, or my parents were believers, or whatever it is, and you feel the call of the Spirit this morning. And you know that God is talking to you, that you ought to change, and you ought to give yourself completely to Christ. Now, you ask the question, how can I start this journey of true faith? And it comes through three things, information, change, and belief. By that I mean, we need certain information. We need to know that Jesus is the Son of God, and we need to know that he died for our sins, and we need to know that he rose again. He's alive. And that reference there is, how can they believe if the preacher has told them? There has to be, you have the information you need. You know that. You have all the information you need to be a believer. Then there's a change. It's called repentance. You say, I'm done with my way of living. I want to live for Christ. And there's belief. Trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. Acts 16. A jailer shaken by an earthquake says to these missionaries, Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Are you willing to make that commitment this morning? You can do it right now in the next two minutes. There's a suggested prayer comes up and select one of them. Maybe if you're not a believer, you pray this from your heart. We're going to have 20 seconds of silent prayer. Lord, I now accept Christ as my leader and saviour. I'm done with a life of sin. I know Christ died and rose again. I now confess him as my Lord. And I'll be in the front here at the end of the service if you'd like to talk to me. Maybe you need more information. Please come forward or you want me to pray with you or one of the elders. Or you might pray Lord, something like this, Lord, I'm struggling to be obedient at present in the matter of, and you specify, is it forgiveness? Is it baptism? Is it trust? Please help me to make obedience to Christ my life's ambition. Let's all pray silently, 20 seconds. Lord, we present these prayers in the name of your Son. Amen.